Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, episode number 49. Hey, guys. Welcome back to part two of my postpartum experience. Last week, we started talking about postpartum and how postpartum has been for me for the past eight weeks. And this week, we are just continuing the conversation. I had my sister, Jenna and Tiffany back on, and we went through some more questions of how postpartum is going for me. So we talked about my bleeding and tearing. We talked about my breastfeeding experience thus far and how that's going. And we also talked about transitioning, um, how it's been, you know, one to two, and just the differences between Walter, me bringing Walter home and Ryland. Um, There's definitely been quite a few differences. (laughs) We also talked about mental health a whole lot, and also tidbits about bringing baby home if you already have a child at home, like a toddler or another little one. In my case, I have a three and a half year old. So we ended the episode with some helpful tips (laughs) because I know you guys always ask me about that. So without further ado, let's get into part two of my postpartum experience. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where we firmly believe in the power of education when it comes to giving birth. Tune in each week as we dive into pregnancy-related topics, expert interviews, and a variety of birth stories. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now, here's your host, educator, registered nurse, and fellow mom, Liesl Teen. Hi, Tiffany and Jenna. Welcome back once again. I guess it's this the third time that we're that we're talking. This is part two of our postpartum recording, um, talking about my postpartum experience. And since we have introduced you guys twice now, um, I think most people listening to this episode now know who Tiffany is and now know who Jenna is. So I thought it would be fun to kick off this episode with like just a couple of fun questions and I will answer them too. (laughs) So the first one is, what do you want to be when you grow up? So Jenna, you go first. What did you want to be when you grew up? So when I was little, I would always put together like little storybooks. I would just take like 10 pieces of paper and like staple them and just draw illustrations and like write little stories. So I always wanted to be an author and my favorite um, subject in school is English. I love writing. So an author is what I wanted to be when I grew up. That's good. I actually didn't, we were talking about this before the episode started and I actually did not know that. That's really interesting that you wanted to be an author when you grew up. Yep. (laughs) That's pretty cool. Okay, Tiffany, your turn. What did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a male lady. Like that's really? all that I wanted to do. <laughs> I still have this weird obsession with the mail, actually. Like I love to get the mail. I love when packages arrive. Um, <laughs> I get mad at my husband if he answers or if he like gets the mail, especially. Oh my God. <laughs> and I don't even get funny. funny mail anymore. So that it's not that much fun, but 
when I was growing up, like, especially around my birthday, like for two weeks straight, cause you would get cards in the mail. I uh-huh. was allowed to get the mail except for me. <laughs> that is that so is. funny. That's great. <laughs> yeah, was, that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> that is so funny. So when I was little, I mean, I feel like mine always changed. So I feel like my first, first one that I really remember that I wanted to be when I grew up was like a veterinarian. Cause I just loved like animals, <laughs> which is kind of silly. Cause like, I would never, I would never ever want to be a vet because I feel like, Oh, like that would just be, it's, it's different caring for, maybe you agree with me, Tiffany, like it's different caring for way mm-hmm. different caring for people who like, you can talk with people versus like even babies. You can't talk with babies and tell them that, that they're like in, you know, something's going on, they're in pain. And I feel like that's how I would always feel if I was taking care of animals, like for sure. oh, you can't tell them that they're yeah, in pain and like, really what's going on? Like, Oh, it's, it actually seems like a really good career because like you get to you know make animals feel better but like oh that would be really really hard (laughs) yeah it would be so okay well that was fun so today we are doing um like I said part two of my postpartum episode so if you guys want to start off um we're going to kind of leave we're going to kind of start off where we left off um at the last episode Yeah. So we finished up the last episode talking about your first appointment at the pediatrician's office. Um, So let's start this one off with those first couple days after giving birth. Can you tell us more about your bleeding, how it was within those first couple of days, and then also talk a little bit about the transition of bleeding, especially now that you're eight weeks postpartum? All right. Yeah. So bleeding. So let's talk about (laughs) bleeding. So I feel like my bleeding this time was way better than Walter for sure. Um, it, I mean, it was similar, but, but I feel like it was way better. It definitely stopped before six weeks postpartum, which is what happened with him. Um, so first few days, it was definitely, you know, heavy flow period. I didn't have too many clots or anything come out. Um, but yeah, just a heavy period that you have to change your pad every few hours. Very, very, you know, normal type bleeding, I would say nothing super heavy or excessive. Um, but every time I would get up, you know, you feel like a little gush down there. Um, so that was for the first few days and then probably a good two weeks or so it was just I would call it medium flow, <laughs> medium to light flow. And then after two or three weeks, it kind of um, would come and go. Like I would have little spurts of, oh, okay, it's still a little bit red. And then it would kind of be a little bit more brown. And then I would think it's like kind of going away. And then a few days later, I would get like another spurt, which is actually pr- fairly normal. And I hear that a lot. Um, from people, it's just as you're healing in there, you tend to just, you know, kind of have like, like spurts of bleeding. And then eventually, finally, it all stops. So I think I was, it was definitely before my six week visit, because I remember going to my six week visit last week, or two weeks ago, or whenever that was, and her asking me if I'm still bleeding, and I wasn't. So it was probably a good, I, I would say it was probably a month of bleeding. And at about a month postpartum, it stopped and you know not I'm eight weeks postpartum now and not bleeding at all so I wanted to talk a little bit more about your second degree tear 
Um, how was your recovery mm-hmm. with that? And like, what kinds of things helped with the pain and discomfort? And how are things feeling now that you're eight weeks postpartum? Yeah, so that, I mean, that was rough, obviously, <laughs> like it's a tear down there. That was, it was probably, it was pretty rough the first few days for sure, you know, doing peri care every single time I go to the bathroom, squirting down there, doing you know, tux pads, doing the dermaplast spray that makes it nice and numb down there. Um, And just, I remember just feeling that heavy kind of feeling down there Um, and not having a whole lot of, I mean, it was never really, really sharp pain, but I want to say it was more kind of soreness kind of pain for um, the first few days. And then, you know, as, as my bleeding was kind of healing, my second degree tear was also kind of healing in the same regard. Um, but I think it certainly healed, all, you know, all, com- completely or almost all the way before my bleeding stopped for sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I can't say that it was, I mean, those first, that like that first day in the hospital was pretty uncomfortable, you know, not straight up painful, but pretty uncomfortable. Um, and then the next few days, yeah, probably about a week out though. I mean, I was, I was feeling, I was feeling pretty good down there. And then in terms of what I did, um, you know, to help take in Tylenol and Motrin around the clock, um, using that Dermaplast spray, that numbing spray, and just doing, you know, pretty diligent, um, peri care. I do have like ice packs that I would put down there routinely, um, throughout the day, you know, if I was really, really sore and I definitely use those in the first, in the first few days. Um, so that helped a whole lot. And now, I mean, yeah, now I feel normal. I want to say there's nothing really, nothing really going on that, you know, I don't feel like I just had a baby anymore. (laughs) Kind of, you know, you feel like a, a few days postpartum, you feel like you just had a baby. And now I don't, I feel normal. Like, I feel like I didn't just have a baby other than the fact that there's milk coming out of my boobs. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about, um, you know, your mental health now. So yeah. I want you to just talk about how it's been this time around, especially like, you know, the baby blues and, and whatnot. And then how that compared to when you had your first baby, when you had Walter and like, has there been any differences that you've noticed? Yeah. So stark differences (laughs) for sure. Um, my mental health with Walter was not the best. I mean, I wasn't, it wasn't horrible. Right. Um, but it wasn't the best. I would say I, I had probably true, um, postpartum anxiety with him. I just didn't really do much about it. And I didn't really recognize at the time that it was, it was, you know, true, true anxiety, but now going through this, it the second time and feeling how good I feel without a really a smidge of anxiety. Um, I can fully say that there was definitely something going on with Walter (laughs) that was that needed, you know, that, you know, certainly needed intervention at the time that I, that I didn't do anything about. Um, so yeah, a lot, a lot less anxious this time. And I think that I attribute that to not only just knowing what to do more this time and having the, you know, having the experience, but I mean, I have, I certainly am the first to say that, like, I see a therapist, you know, one now it's once a month, but if I need to go a little bit more, you know, sometimes it's like once a week I'm, I'm talking to her, but now I see 
a therapist for just maintenance, um, sort of, you know, mental health issues. And I'm the first to say I have certainly generalized anxiety, um, that I don't take medication for or anything, but yeah, just working with her, um, through the past few years and now going through it for the second time and not feeling that super crazy over anxious feeling, um, can definitely say that there was something, something going on with Walter. Um, so yeah, mental health has been way, way better with baby blues. I do remember having baby blues. I didn't have, I wouldn't say I was depressed with, with either of them. Um, but I did have baby blues with Walter. There were certainly a few days when I just, I mean, you know, it's just typical, you know, you're just, you're just a very, very emotional. It's like really bad PMS. I want, that's like the best, I guess, way I can kind of describe it for me at least. Um, so yeah, certainly had a few nights with him when I was just very tearful and very emotional and just Brian would say something to me and I would just, ah, you know, just like get really, really upset. And with Brian, I want to say I, I haven't had that as much, but I remember texting you, Tiffany, like that first, it was like two days after I had him or three days after I had him and just being like, so overwhelmed of like, oh my God, I have two kids and I feel like my heart is just in at least two different places. You know, it feels like it's in 10 different places. Like, I feel like I can't do, I feel like my house needs to get cleaned. I feel like I need to feed the baby. I feel like I need to put Walter to bed. I feel like I need to to give my husband a hug. And like, I feel like this, you know, it's like, I feel like I need to do all of this. I just felt, I remember feeling very, very overwhelmed. But again, I think I attribute that to lack of, sleep at that point too. So I was very tearful and very like just upset and baby bluesy because I wasn't, you know, I didn't get, I hadn't gotten a lot of sleep at that point. And then over those next few days, I mean, I was, yeah, I felt, I felt great after that, but yeah, I would say that was, that was certainly the shock of like, Oh my gosh, I have two kids now and I haven't gotten sleep and probably, yes, this is, this is some baby blues. So Yeah. I remember you texting me. It was like, I think the next day or or maybe like later that night after you guys came home and you were so upset because you wanted to put, Walter wanted you to put him to bed, but then Ryland needed to be fed. And then like, I remember you said you couldn't remember when you took your Motrin last and you were like hurting (laughs) and you were like, I don't even remember when I last took my Motrin and you were just upset and which is like, like that's normal to be upset, but but yeah, yeah. these little things. And I remember we talked about just, yeah, it's really, it's different. It's different bringing home your first baby and then bringing Mm -hmm. home your second one or third one. And I specifically remember the emotional pull I felt, not even just a physical pull, but this emotional pull that I felt of, I have been used to being able to give my oldest son 100% undivided attention. Like whenever he needs it, I'm able to give it to him to, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I have two kids and I cannot do that anymore. And it was sad. I was very sad that I couldn't give him that anymore. And then my husband had to kind of talk me down actually. And he was like, listen, this is okay. This is normal. Like, 
Callan, my little one, he's like, Callan is, is never going to experience a time where he has just you, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and that helped. I do remember that being difficult for like a week or two. I mean, it didn't last Mm -hmm. long and then it just, Mm -hmm. it got normal and fine. And now, well, yeah, you know, I think you just like learn how to, yeah. I think you just learn how to juggle things. Yeah. So naturally mm-hmm. you just are like emotionally better with it. But yeah, that's exactly how it felt. It felt like a, a huge, a huge problem that I kind of, into, you know, you, you think yeah. like, okay, it's going to be hard. I know I'm going to not be able to like tend to Walter as much as, you know, I, I had been before, but then actually like being in it and having him really want me to put to bed, want, want me, you know, want, mommy to put him to bed and mommy can't put him to bed. And that just, yeah, like broke my heart, you know, like that's so sad. Yeah. No, I agree though. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's like, if you have a third baby, it's, it's maybe it's not, not even, I don't want to say even worse, but you know, then it's your two children and now you have another baby to bring home and yeah, it's tough. It was lots of changes. Certainly. Yes. But certainly I want to say, mental health wise, like, oh my gosh, way, way, way better this go around. And certainly, like I said, I attribute that to having a therapist on hand and just like having a therapist for the past couple of years to talk to you and just like work through some personal struggles um, and know, you know, what to do in certain situations. And when I have these thoughts, you know, kind of like what to do, but also just like having the right support in hand, a lot of it goes into it and just having experience of having a first child and now having a second child. So yeah, yeah. mental health is much better this time around. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, moving on from that, um, if you've been following mommy labor nurse for a while, you probably know that Liesl did have some struggles with breastfeeding with Walter. So why don't you give us kind of a quick recap of your breastfeeding journey with Walter? Yeah. Um, I talked about this on my story a while back, um, but basically what happened with Walter was he was born, he was six pounds, four ounces when he was born, little coming out. And I planned on, ex- you know, exclusively breastfeeding him and my milk didn't end up coming in till, you know, day four, day five. And he had lost a little bit too much weight. According to the pediatrician, he's like at 11, 11 or 12 percent. Um, weight loss on, you know, day three or, or something day four, I can't remember, but anyways, you know, he lost a little bit too much weight. So they said, okay, why don't you supplement him with a little bit of formula, you know, after you feed or for a whole feeding, you know, given, I can't even remember exactly what I did. I think, I think they said supplement an ounce or two of formula after you breastfeed him every time. Um, So we did that. And he got his weight back right back up and he was fine. Um, but it really impacted my breastfeeding, um, you know, my breastfeeding relationship with him and my milk supply. So I struggled a lot with my milk supply and I could never really wean him from giving him that, those extra few ounces of formula a day. So we supplemented, um, pretty much his whole first year. There was a couple months that I took off, when he kind of started food, I didn't give him, I think there was probably a month or two when I didn't give him formula and I just breastfed him. Um, and I gave him food, but yeah, pretty, pretty much other than that point, we gave him 
you know, I exclusively, I, I breastfed him around the clock and I gave him, it was probably a bottle, like total, a bottle, like, you know, six or eight ounces of formula a day, um, supplemented him throughout his first year and had a lot of feelings come with that because I had planned on breastfeeding him and exclusively breastfeeding him. And that's what it, it was really important to me. And I really wanted to do. And I just remember so many days, like trying, like nursing him nonstop and trying so many different, you know, lactation stuff, pills and doing this and reading this blog to do this, to try, you know, stand on your head for five minutes. Not that I didn't really do that, but I'm just saying like all this crazy stuff you try to like increase your milk supply. And I just, I would have periods where it would kind of increase a little bit, but it would never really stay. And I could never really like fully wean him from that formula. And eventually he got older and he started eating food. And eventually like I came to terms with it. And I was like, this is just our journey. And this is just what we did. And I am okay with it. But it was really hard. I felt really, really guilty about that. I just felt like I was doing everything I could. And I just like, you know, it was just so much of like, why is my body not, not making enough milk for him? And I think a lot of moms deal with that. And that's like such a huge reason why people stop breastfeeding for sure. Um, but props to formula. I mean, Hey, like he would, I would have been a lot worse off if I hadn't, you know, if he was, if we were really having issues and he was like a failure to thrive baby and like, I, you know, he wasn't getting any formula. Um, but yeah, it was, it was rough. I had a lot of feelings that that first year that I was, that I was breastfeeding and, uh, and supplementing him. I think it's kind of interesting though, because, you know, we talked in the last podcast about how I think the last one, or maybe the one before that, I don't remember, um, yeah. about how you gave birth naturally. And like, that is what was a big part of what drove you to like start this business and start mommy labor. Nurse. Yeah. I kind of also think that your breastfeeding journey with Walter had a lot to yeah. do with it also. Like I remember one oh, of yeah. the first blog articles that you wrote and, you know, published was about your milk supply and, you know, the 30 things that you did and you gave it numbers. And that article is still mm-hmm. on mommylabornurse.com. And I, I, you know, reference people to that article really frequently because it's super thorough yeah. and it lists out like all the different things, but it's kind of interesting to read that article now and like just, you know, I mean, you clearly cared so much about it and wanted I tried so a lot. badly <laughs> to yeah. do it. And like it shows even in that one little article, but also, like I said, I think that, I think that we're, you're kind of here today and your business is here and whatnot. A big part of that is due yeah. to, breastfeeding journey and that it was a struggle and you, you know, still have this passion to, you know, educate moms and bring awareness and like say that it's okay and like be just like really open and non-judgmental to like everybody and what they want, but also being really, really supportive to moms and what they do want also. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, as somebody who gave their baby who didn't want to give their baby formula, but gave their baby formula. I, like I said, I'm very thankful that there are other options out there and formula exists because I mean, geez, like, I mean, I don't even, 
I have, I mean, you're, you're one of my friends who like gives, who, who does formula, but I mean, there are so many friends that I have who have tried to breastfeed and something happens and it's not successful and they have to, you know, give baby formula, which is, which is totally fine. I mean, I've never, I hate, I just, I hate that phrase. Breast is best. (laughs) I will always stand by that. Like I never, that's like a hashtag and I never use that hashtag because I just, it's, it's not, I mean, like it's, you just feed your baby, you just feed your baby and well, and whatever. It's it's, (laughs) it's just, it's fine. Breast is best for some people, but not for everyone. It surely wasn't for me. No, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but it also kind of goes to show too, that like, even you who breastfed Walter till he was what, I mean, how many months was he when he stopped? Like 18 18 or so. 19 months, something like that. Yeah. Like you still had yeah. these crazy struggles. You still had like grief over the fact oh. that you couldn't do it. And like me, you know, I sit here, I still get triggered by women that have successful breastfeeding. Like journey. good breastfeeding. Yeah. yeah, still. And like a lot of my friends who are breastfeeding, they know that. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't say like, don't talk about it to me, but I do say like, they know it's a trigger for me. It, it's still, I still experience grief over it. And we are, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm almost six months postpartum from having my second one. And I still have grief over the first one. That was a year and a half yeah. ago, you know? So it's just, it's interesting. Breastfeeding is such like a, a journey. I mean, that's really the best way you can describe it. And it doesn't matter if your journey lasts for one week or if it lasts for three years. Like, yes there's so much involved with it and a lot of feelings and emotions that are involved when you can't do it or when you can't do exclusive or when you have to stop or when, you know, it's. Gosh, there's so much to it. I, I uh, before mommy labor nurse, I always thought breastfeeding, you give them the boob, they drink. Yeah. If they don't drink from the boob, then you give them formula. That's it. Like I had no idea there was so much to it. It's a lot. It really is. It's a lot. And it's just, there, there's so many, there's so many ways, I want to say there's so many ways to do it, but there's so many, I mean, gosh, like we were at the office the other day and I was like talking about pumping and like, I'm like, I think I'm this size flange, but I'm not sure that I'm this size flange. And like, I ordered this one thing and I'm not sure. And I'm like talking about all of these different, there's like just so much education that goes with breastfeeding. There's so, I mean, gosh, it's just, there's so many feet. And like, why is it that there are so like, there's so many feelings revolving around breastfeeding. I don't know. I really don't know. Like what, like, why is that such a thing that it's like, you feel so much grief when you don't breastfeed, but I don't know where I'm where I'm going with that, but I don't yeah, know. It's... I don't know either. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's just how like society is right now because, yeah, you know, like my mom didn't breastfeed any of us. I tell people that like, I didn't even get like one ounce of colostrum, like absolutely nothing. <laughs> she had no yeah. interest in doing it. And granted, okay. I was born in the eighties, but like, it just, that's, that's not what she did. That's not one of her friends, any of her friends did. And she didn't feel this way. Like she to this yeah. day has no regret yeah. whatsoever that she'd never breastfed us. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it is just like the time. And also I would say for me personally, 
and and you, Liesl, you can probably speak to this. Like we're labor and delivery nurses. There's a lot that yeah, goes into it. our hospital and like our scores and our initiatives and like yeah, all these things. Yeah. And breastfeeding is one of them. It's a big one of them. And like the That's hospital true. is always driving exclusive breastfeeding. And like, we literally track how many moms and percentages of people they give their baby formula in the hospital. I don't mm-hmm. agree with it. Like, I think that it's mm-hmm. completely crazy because you're setting women up for failure when you are like trying to put these numbers and achieving, you know, 75% exclusive breastfeeding rates and whatnot. But yeah. as a labor and delivery nurse who works in a setting where breastfeeding is kind of like pushed, I would say, not that I necessarily push my patients to do it because I am down for whatever you want to do and you'll like never see any pressure from me personally as a nurse. Same, same. <laughs> like, yeah, whatever I mean, you want to do. <laughs> honestly, this is crazy. When I had my second baby, I, I struggled with breastfeeding with my first one. So I knew the second one that I was just going to be like way more open and like whatever, yeah. we'll just take it, see how it goes. And I had him and that night I couldn't get him to latch. Okay. I don't have like great breastfeeding nipples. That's like big, huge problem of what, you know, one of the biggest yeah. problems I had with my journey, but the nurse was like, well, how about if we, we could just do a little bit of formula and I could actually like you could try and get him to latch, but like syringe the formula on, maybe that will help kind of stimulate him mm-hmm. because I didn't have a lot of colostrum either. And I was like, no, no, no I don't want you to do that because it's going to mess up the numbers. Like, I don't want to be yet another person. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I thought that. And she was like, girl, don't worry about it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's just like so much pressure from somewhere. Yep. I don't even know from where, where society it's, it's pressure, social it's like, pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and just being a mom. Yeah. I mean, this is just one of, you know, a million things that women feel one million things. Her, yes. You know. But yeah, it's interesting. So it is. how about like, so we just talked about that you had low supply with Walter. Yeah. Do anything specifically different during pregnancy this time to help prepare you for your breastfeeding journey with Ryland? So, okay. I mean, first of all, I ate a ton of those like lactation cookies and <laughs> mommy those best cookies. I'm not sure that that truly, um, you know, super impacted anything because I ate them while I was pregnant, but I just want to state that for the record. I ate a lot of uh, mommy, mommy best cookies. <laughs> so whether that did anything, um, fine. Yeah. So not sure what else I really did during my pregnancy, um, in the immediate postpartum period, I did, I did do a few things that I'll talk about in, in just a second, but during pregnancy, I didn't do any of that antenatal storage. Like I didn't pump, um, beforehand. I know some people do do that, that they pump in the last few weeks of pregnancy to, um, to prepare for breastfeeding. Um, but I didn't do that. I did do, I I mean, I want to just say that I did do more education on breastfeeding, even though I, you know, I, I had a good foundation going in. Um, I mean, I feel like I did, I did do some more education beforehand just to even prepare myself even more, um, and, you know, set myself up. But yeah, I mean, I think I also went into it knowing that I really, really did want to breastfeed, and I had issues with low supply. So I'm going to try and do everything that I possibly can to not have low supply and almost like 
want to try and kick myself into an oversupply. Um, but yeah, didn't do a whole lot during my pregnancy. Um, but during postpartum, uh, like the first few days postpartum, I remember one of the things that the lac- one of the lactation consultants told me in the hospital that was really, really beneficial that I think actually made a huge difference um, was she said hand expression. So there was a study that came out, not, I think it was like 2012 or something, um, that said if you do hand expression, five minutes of hand expression five times a day for the first five days, I think, if it was five, 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 um, five days postpartum, then moms who did that, their milk supplies were significantly better at like eight weeks postpartum or something like that. Um, so she was like, it's a really, you know, I know it's just something else to do, <laughs> something else to like add to your plate. She was like, it can really, really help. And especially since you've had issues with your supply before, you know, why not? So I said, okay. So I did that. And yeah, I mean, certainly my, I mean, I'm eight weeks, eight weeks postpartum right now. And I can say, yeah, I, I have a great milk supply now. So um, I want to say that that made a huge difference. Just that extra stimulation. I nursed him, uh, you know, way, certainly more than eight times a day. You know, I nursed him on demand. Um, that made a huge difference as well. And I was, I was nursing Walter on demand, but I was kind of more following a, a schedule with him. Like I would be like, oh, I, I probably should wait until two hours, you know, to at least two hours. Um, and with Rylan, you know, I was just kind of looking at it differently, like not really looking at, you know, cause they cluster feed at first. I was kind of looking at cluster feeding differently. I've said this in my story before looking at cluster feeding, like it's a really beneficial thing that he wants to cluster feed because the more that I put him on the boob, the better my milk supply ultimately is going to be. And that's exactly what happened. So looking at cluster feeding a whole lot differently. Um, and then the Haka, I want to like props to the Haka. I use the Haka a whole lot. Um, in those first, once my milk actually fully came in, um, I used the Haka and I think that was just another signal, another extra stimulation to my body to say, okay, we need, we need some more milk up here. (laughs) So, yeah. So yeah, at this point, you're eight weeks out. Have you been able to exclusively breastfeed him or have you had to do formula yet or no? Yes, I, uh, I have exclusively breastfed him. Um, we have not given We've not had to give formula or anything yet. Um, I do have 40 something ounces in the freezer. It's, it's probably actually more. I haven't, I haven't looked at it in a while. Um, but yeah, no, we, my, I would say my milk supply is, is plenty for him. And then a little bit extra, like I can probably, I probably make three ounces extra a day for him that sometimes I pump at, you know, and store it sometimes, you know, I just don't, don't pump at the end of the day <laughs> if, I, if I'm tired. Um, but yeah, I probably have one of those milk supplies that's like perfect enough for him. And then like, a, and then a little bit extra. That's so good is, that you're breastfeeding. <laughs> yeah. That your breastfeeding journey is like, you know, so much better than when you were struggling with Walters, but. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's also, um, such I'm also glad that I'm not, I didn't send myself into super, super oversupply and dip my toes into those struggles because as much of a struggle as it was with having low supply issues, 
um, people who have oversupply have a whole other set of issues that they have to deal with. So I am very thankful that I am like happy medium, you know, in between. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I think that that's what everybody needs to remember is like, the grass seems so much greener on the other side, but it's not. And Mm, I tell myself to this day, (laughs) because like, Liesl, you have a really good friend who has a crazy, crazy oversupply. I mean, yeah. wild, right? Like, yeah, she, <laughs> yeah, she pumps yeah, Jen like Jesse too. Yeah. 100 ounces yeah. a day. And I am just like, oh my gosh, my mind is just exploding thinking of that. And I can't help but listen to that and feel some jealousy because oh, yeah. of it. But like having an oversupply is not so great. She's had mastitis several times. She also has a baby that has, you know, allergies and whatnot. So her diet is super, super limited. So yeah, it's one of those things, even, I don't know if I know a single woman that has had just like a perfect breastfeeding journey. Like, yeah. And you're not anxious about anything and you're just, yeah. Even ones that were able to just breastfeed great and exclusively breastfed and always nursed and never had to pump. And, you know, even those ones, when you ask, they'll say, oh, but this was really hard or this was really hard. So it's like, no matter what happens, even if your supply is great, even if your baby latches great. Yeah. I mean, there's just always something. There's always something. I know. No, you're right. And like with my friend who has oversupply, like she's, she's always talking about, okay, like she doesn't pump a whole lot right now she's down to like four pumps a day or something. But I mean, we were just talking about, about, um, flange size and she's like, yeah, it's still, you know, it's still somewhat hurts and I'm not sure if I should be using this one. You know, she's still trying stuff out, still ordering stuff. Like, you know, this is her second baby that she's exclusively pumped for. And she's still like not an expert by any means, still trying to figure it out. Don't they say that like formula feeding can be more expensive? It almost seems like breastfeeding can be pretty darn expensive too because you're always trying to order new things if something doesn't work. Uh, yeah, sure, 100%. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, formula is it's, it's expensive, right? You have to buy it. Like, But yes. yeah, I can't say I've spent a lot of money because I'm breastfeeding. <laughs> like right. just between all the supplements and between all of the gear, you ha- I mean, you still have to buy, you know, if it's, I mean, unless you're somebody who really doesn't pump at all and just is always around your baby and like is always the food source for your baby, like you, you at least have to buy some sort of pump, whether that's just a little hand pump and then you have to buy bottles, right? Because you have to, you know, get that. And then it's like, oh, okay. And then there's like, okay, you got to buy all these nursing bras and nursing tanks and nursing pillow and nursing, you know, it's like all of this stuff. It's a Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think that we're going to do, we talked about doing this. We're going to do a podcast. It's probably not going to be for a while. I mean, maybe realistically in a year from now. Um, Yeah. Or maybe we'll do like a six month, you know, follow up or something. But I think we're going to dive into your breastfeeding journey with Riley more. So stay tuned to that at some point. (laughs) Because yeah, you're, I mean, you're only at eight weeks and there's a lot at eight weeks, but there's a lot more issues that come along with breastfeeding, whether it's like nursing strikes or like baby teething or introduction of solid foods and like how all that goes. So I think it's going to be great um, when we do that and when we can kind of talk to you, you know, in six months from now or so and like see how things are going. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Well, moving on from breastfeeding, 
last Monday, you said that you went to your six week postpartum appointment. So can Mm -hmm. you kind of share like what was done at that appointment and kind of just what happened? Yeah. So super easy. Um, I went in, typically I would have brought my baby, but of course COVID, um, you're not supposed to bring anybody but yourself (laughs) to appointments. So I, you know, just went there by myself and came in and, you know, kind of same routine. You go and get weighed and they do your vital signs and they ask you about your health history and they ask you if you are breastfeeding or if you're formula feeding and if you're having any pain or, um, you know, if you're still bleeding, they ask you about that. And then, yeah, I got into the room. I didn't have, um, I didn't have to get a pap smear. So I had, I wasn't due like for my pap smear. So she just did it. She literally just did like a manual <laughs> inspection um, and just asked me something, you know, asked me how my mental health was, asked me about pain and just kind of how the last six weeks have been. She was probably in there for, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes. Like it was, it was a little while that we were just kind of chatting back and forth and asking me just, you know, transition, how, how it's going with having two kids versus one kid. And, you know, once she, um, once we did the pelvic exam, um, that was really no big deal. (laughs) I mean, I, I was like anticipating that to be painful because there hadn't been anything in there for six weeks. And I just, yeah, I just was like, oh, this is not going to feel so good. But once she did it, it's like, it like wasn't painful at all. And yeah, checked out my tear, which was completely healed. Um, checked out my hemorrhoids, which were, which are unfortunately still there, but not, um, inflamed. (laughs) And she just made a comment on my hemorrhoids. Um, (laughs) but yeah, that's, and then that was pretty much it. I mean, it was probably 30 minutes I was there and then I was, and then I was out and she was like, okay, you're good. You're, you're healed. We'll see you in a year (laughs) or whenever your pap is. Yeah. So you only have one postpartum appointment. Is that pretty much what happens? Yeah. So Typically, yes. So like if you hear, you know, here in the United States, we typically have one six week appointment and then, and then really, you know, nothing else unless you, you need them or unless you're high risk. Sometimes they see you before that, before that six weeks for a two week, you know, blood pressure check or, or some, you know, or a mental health check or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, since I've been going, I've been going through that Pebble complete care program, which I've talked about in my story a whole lot. And on you know, my Instagram Um, and that has given me, I want to say I've had six or seven, um, total checks with them. And that's of course, telehealth, right? I'm not like actually going to see somebody, but I mean, that has made also such a difference in everything. Just to have, just having somebody checking in at one week postpartum. Okay. How's everything going two weeks postpartum. Okay. How's every, everything going and having somebody to talk to about my, hemorrhoids and about how I got, um, a allergic reaction from my pads at like two weeks postpartum. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? Oh my gosh. Which side note, I talked about that on my story the other day. And I, I don't know if you saw it too, Tiffany, but I saw a bunch of DMS of people saying Mm -hmm. that that happened to them too. I was like, Oh my gosh, this must be a thing. Yeah. So yeah, side note, I did, it was, that was awful. I had a, I had an allergic reaction to some sort of brand of pads that I was using at about two weeks postpartum and everything was like just completely on fire down there. And it was, 
not fun and very itchy. And I just literally what I did was I did not wear anything. I was still bleeding, but like I didn't wear, I just wore like a skirt all day. And I had like a towel that I would just like sit on a towel. If I had to sit down, it was, I mean, it was fine. It was, you know, we made that work, but I had to do that for a, at least a day just to get everything, you know, kind of like aired out, out <laughs> down there. All right. So now that you are eight weeks out from delivery, what next? Is there anything that you're kind of still doing postpartum that you can tell us about? Yeah. So I talked about Pebble a little bit, um, you know, kind of beforehand and I am still seeing Pebble. I do still have um, a few appointments left with my Pebble uh, specialist. Uh, so definitely a big advocate for that. And then I have been seeing a pelvic floor uh, physical therapist. I saw her twice so far, and I'm going to have another check with her in about a month. Um, Cause I just had told her. So first of all, I've heard this from a few different, I follow a few different public floor PTs on Instagram. Um, and it's actually recommended. They all say that if you've had a baby, you probably should go see a public floor PT initially, like every single person just to get a baseline because my, the public floor PT who I, who I personally see, um, she said, yeah, so many times I see so many women in like their fifties and sixties coming in and having issues with urinary incontinence, you know, a lot of issues with urinary incontinence. And she was like, you can, you can like bring it back almost to childbirth and gosh, like if we had just been intervening right after having kids, multiple kids, you know, um, a lot of times you can fix these issues that people have at 50 or 60 years old where they have all, and that is so common. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I know that it's just, yep, you just have, you just pee your pants all the time and you know, you're just older and that's just what happens. And, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, so going back to pelvic floor PT, um, yeah, seeing a pelvic floor physical therapist, um, I've seen her twice now so far, and that has been like uber, uber helpful. I mean, I just, it's kind of weird. So, so basically what, you know, what they do is they explore (laughs) in, in your vagina and they kind of just like put pressure on different and different muscles and see where you have tenderness. So I did kind of have some tenderness kind of near where she said she can kind of feel like my scar tissue from where I tore. Um, So it was kind of like near there and then a little bit more on, on like the left side. Um, So what they do is they just kind of put pressure on that area and it almost like releases the muscle fibers after a little while. And then it, it, I mean, after a little while, it, it like feels better. It's, it's almost like if you've ever gotten a massage and how you feel like so much more relaxed after your massage, like after I got up after my pelvic floor PT, like I felt more relaxed in my vagina. Afterwards. <laughs> like I told her that and she was like, oh yeah, I have had people say that where it's like, you just feel, you're like, oh, I just feel kind of like more relaxed down there. So got all the knots out. (laughs) 
It's weird. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. It's like getting a massage vagina as weird as that sounds but yeah that's personally what just what she did for me there's a lot of other issues that she that pelvic floor pt can help with after childbirth um i didn't have really any issues with prolapse or or really uh urinary issues mine was more a little you know like a little bit of pain and tenderness um but yeah like certainly recommend if you are able to um, if it's in your, you know, in your insurance, you like, you can go and see a public floor PT. They even have, um, online public floor, like that you can, um, do telehealth public floor PT. Obviously you can't do any hands-on assessments there, but yeah, you can see like a virtual public floor PT after childbirth. Definitely recommend for anybody to go and do that because that is that, that was great. <laughs> that was really great. Um, and now, yeah, I'm still seeing, let's see, I'm still seeing my chiropractor. I was seeing a chiropractor through my pregnancy. I'm still going to continue to do that because that makes me, that makes me feel really good. Just with, I was having a lot of back pain, like upper back pain, just with breastfeeding posture. So she, she definitely helps me with that, my chiropractor. Um, And yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been good. I mean, eight weeks, I feel, I feel pretty good for, for being eight weeks postpartum. I want to, I think I do. And do you Good. feel like you're, it's different from like eight weeks yeah. with Walter compared to eight weeks with Ryland? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can't exactly remember. So it was, you know, three and a half years ago. I don't exactly remember what my body felt like, but um, yeah, I mean, and I think I talked about this in one of the other episodes where I was just a lot more active this pregnancy and this time postpartum, I'm starting to like do things, you know, exercise, what exercise more, um, now in this, you know, in this postpartum experience. So I think that goes a long way to just being more active, but yeah, I feel like, I feel like I feel better for sure. That's great. Okay. So we kind of touched on this in the beginning of the episode, but how was the transition to go from one child to two? Like, what did you think it was going to be like? And how did the reality compare? And which one was harder, bringing home Walter the first time or bringing home Ryland? Yeah, so which one was harder? Uh, Walter was certainly harder harder to bring home than Ryland, for sure. Even though I have multiple children now, so that's an element that I didn't have to deal with the first go-round. Um but just bringing home a second child and having the experience of having a first child and now having a second child, um, world difference. Like Walter was, was certainly harder, um, to bring home in terms of the transition. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel, I feel like I've already kind of talked about it a little bit, just, you know, had a little bit of kind of baby blues and some emotional instability (laughs) at first with Rylan, Mm -hmm. but overall it's been great. I mean, I feel like I know I have, a lot of resources and a lot of experience and just, I mean, the experience goes, goes the furthest. I think just that makes, that makes such a huge difference knowing what to do, just like innately knowing what to do the second time around and not Googling like every other question you have or not being worried about this and it just being, it was, it was a huge learning curve the first time bringing Walter home. You just are constantly learning about things. And this time, yeah, I mean, I'm still, I still have questions and I'm still like, 
what is that weird thing on his shoulder? Or like, what is that? What is this? Or what is, you know, what is that? But certainly not like the first time. And I'm sure that played into like the anxiety that I experienced with Walter too, just like not, you know, not feeling super comfortable and just not just, it's like I said, it's, it's a huge learning curve. Um, so in terms of what did I think about, or what did I think it was going to be like, and how did it really compare? Um, I went into this postpartum experience hoping that it was going to be different. Uh, and you know, I would, I don't want to say expecting it to be easier, but really, really hoping talking to like you, Tiffany, who has had a baby, you know, four months before I did. And my other friend who just had a baby kind of near the, you know, second baby kind of near, um, near you and talking to you guys and you guys saying, okay, you know, it's not, it's not as bad, you know, the second time around and hoping that it's not going to be like that. But I, I, I can totally say that I, I was on edge for a long time in this postpartum experience, like waiting for it to get really, really hard and waiting for like, okay, I know I'm like doing really, really good. And I've talked to, you know, my pebble specialist about this and like my therapist about this. I'm like, I'm just, I'm almost like anxious about getting anxious. Like (laughs) I'm anxious Mm, about like mm -hmm. being really, really anxious, you know, how I was with Walter, like, when is it going to happen? And I'm like, I'm just trying to, you know, take every day as I can and just like, okay, it's still going really, really well. Okay. It's still really, really going really well you know, really well, like, when is it going to get bad? And when is it going to be bad? But I mean, gosh, like eight weeks out, I'm like, okay, I think, I think, I mean, yes, I fully know that I, I could dive down in the deep end, right? Like mental health wise and, and be really, really bad off. But I think I put enough resources in place for myself and I had enough support and help um, that hopefully not good, like I'm out of the, um, you know, the, when, when people really, really experience it in that, in those first few weeks. So yeah, I want to say it's, yeah, overall it's been, been much, much better this go around. Yeah. I'm curious if like other people feel that way. I, yeah. When I was, when I found out that I was pregnant with my second baby and my first one, he was only four months old when I found out that I was pregnant with him. So (laughs) that, you know, that obviously is not, the typical situation. Um, but yeah, I talked to a lot of people that had kids, particularly people that had kids close in age together and just like asked for Mm -hmm. advice and whatnot. Um, and I went into it thinking like, this is going to be horrible. This is going to be horrible. Like I just kept telling myself, this is going to be like the worst thing ever and just get through it. It's short lived. Like those first three months are going to suck, but it's going to be fine. And like, I mean, I really, I, like you, I put a lot of resources and like support in place so that Mm -hmm. it would be okay. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, I'm almost six months out and have been pleasantly surprised at how, you know, I hate to say the word easy and I surely don't want to set anybody else to just expect that it's going to be easy when you bring your second one home. But for me personally, it was easier. The transition wasn't nearly as bad. I think I cried like one time after I came home with my second one. Whereas like with the first one, it was like almost every single night, every day I was in tears crying Mm -hmm. over something. Um, 
so yeah, it's, it's just interesting to hear like different women's takes and perspectives on it. Cause I, I shared that with you that like the transition wasn't that bad. And like you said, some of our other friends that we have that we've talked to, they've said similar things. So, yeah. Yeah. I think overall, I think overall, most people would agree that it's, it's easier. Like you said, you don't want to use the word easier, but it's different the second go around just, just cause you have that experience to go on. And that makes such a huge difference. Well, and um, now like, when you have, when I'm alone with my baby, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is vacation. Like, yeah. this is so nice. <laughs> like I can watch TV and just be relatively uninterrupted. Like we did a lot of Netflix watching yes. in the first month Same. or two. Like we can't do that now. I mean, he's five and a half months old and I've got a toddler, obviously. So like we're not doing any binging of Netflix anymore. Um, but yeah, I... I'm selling content. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I told yes. people, it's like, it's almost like, it's almost laughable that I thought... it. That, that, that I thought having one kid was hard because now I have mm-hmm. two and when both of them are there, I wouldn't say it's hard. It's like demanding. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like so drastically different when I have two of them with me and I'm taking care of them on one day compared yeah. to when I just have one. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is like so great. And like so easy. And it's like just crazy how perspective is like, so, is, is everything really? Because when oh, I just had one sure. baby alone, I like wanted to rip my hair out and I was just like struggling. And now I'm like, oh yeah, bring on one baby. Like that is fine. <laughs> I can do this. this I, know. I know. I totally feel the same way. And going on, on the, on the topic of like perspective, this go around has been like, my perspective is way different because I remember with Walter, my perspective, like even just, we'll give the example of like getting up in the middle of the night. I remember being like, Oh God, I can't wait for this. Like, this is awful. I hate getting, I mean, who really likes to get up in the middle of the night? So like, that's super normal to feel that way. But I just remember being like, Oh my God, this is like just the worst. And even there were a few nights when he was first born, when it's like, you're getting up three or four times a night and you're just like, Oh, this sucks. Like, I just, I hate this. Like why? Oh, you know? And with Ryland, it's crazy that I almost, I mean, he still gets up. He certainly gets up once in the middle of the night, you know, like to feed between, you know, like four, five o'clock. Um, but I'm almost like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm almost, I don't, I'm not going to miss him sleeping through the night, but you're almost like, wow. Like it's really, it's not that long that they do that. And yeah, my perspective, I mean, it's just, it's so different. I'm almost like holding on to him being, I still want, I still definitely want him to be a little bit bigger so he can like interact with Walter a whole lot more. And like, I, I certainly have those feelings too, but it's a lot more of like, oh, I want him to like stay my little baby forever. And I didn't, I didn't feel like that with Walter almost ever. I was always wishing for him to like get bigger so he could do X, Y, Z, you know? Yeah. I think that like, we've talked about this a couple times that just knowing that there is an end in sight is, is important when you have your second one. But, and then it's like, becomes this like bittersweet thing when you have a second one. Cause like with the first time, it's like, I don't know when this stage is going to be done. Like maybe he's going to wake up three times 
in the middle of the night for the rest of his life. I mean, like, you know, yeah. that that's irrational and ridiculous, but you right. don't know if it's going to be another two weeks or if it's going to be another year. I mean, I certainly know women who yeah. have one-year-olds that still wake up several times throughout the night. So you just yeah. don't know. So then when the second one comes along, you're like, okay, I kind of know that like, yeah, there's like a rough you know, rough stage around eight weeks, but it only lasts for like a week or two and then he'll get better. So it's just like yeah. knowing that helps so, so much. Oh, for sure. And I do the same thing. I snuggle with my little one way more than I mm-hmm. do that I ever did with my big one. And I still, yeah, I'll just like hold him and rock him and like try to soak in the moments as much as I can. And everyone always says that to me too. Like, you know, like older friends of ours and whatnot, they're like, oh, just enjoy it while it lasts and soak in all those moments because it doesn't last long and they grow up so fast. And like one thing I've learned is that like there's never enough soaking in that you can do. Like it's never, I think even if I held my baby 24 seven constantly in 15 years, I probably would still be like telling somebody, soak it all in because (laughs) you know, they grow up fast. So it's like, there's no amount. You just, you do what you can and yeah you love them and you get through the day and you do whatever you need to do and and you don't feel guilty about well, I know. like you don't feel guilty about not snuggling them I mean that's I feel like huge too that that mom's like that feeling is you know you feel like you're like not enjoying it in sure as much yeah so but then you have a second baby and then you enjoy it more because, yeah, you know, or like whenever healing. you have your it's last very, baby, very it is. It's very therapeutic, I think, to have another kid, yeah. especially if yeah. your first one was kind of a struggle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, Walter certainly wasn't, I don't want to, I mean, he wasn't, he was a great, great baby. You know, my breastfeeding journey was like certainly a struggle, but, you know, just the anxiety that I felt with him so heavily now not having that feeling is is certainly very very healing so yeah so last question that we're going to talk about this is actually something that I've seen a lot of your followers like message you about and whatnot is any tips that you have just quick little things that you can throw out there of um, what moms can do to juggle having a newborn baby and a toddler or an older kid yeah yeah it's it well Okay, so I'll first preface and say that I don't have a toddler. He's certainly not a toddler and a newborn. That is um, that is something that I do not know how to manage having a two-year-old and like a newborn. That seems really, really difficult uh, to me because you can't, I mean, you can't leave them in the same room for half a second at all. Walter, at least it's nice because they're three and a half years apart. So I trust him that if I need to go to the bathroom (laughs) really quickly, he's not going to like try and pull Ryland out of his little seat and like, you know, throw him on the, you know, he's not gonna like do anything to Ryland. He's, he's fine. (laughs) But like with a two-year-old, you can't do that. That's really, really hard. Um, so I would say, yeah, if you can have, I mean, not everybody's house can do this, but Certainly in those first few weeks, if you're, especially if you're like breastfeeding and you can't get up and, you know, babies like cluster feeding all the time, if you can have like an area in your house where you can just completely corral your kid, whether it's like a room or whether it's, you know, baby gates and you can just corral them and you can sit on the couch or you can sit in a chair and just, you know, feed your baby. That's, 
going to help more than, more than anything. Cause I think that's what people struggle with. It's like, you can't like, they're just loose, <laughs> right? Like you need somewhere to like completely corral them. So I would say, yeah, get a corral station. Um, and I'm trying to think of like other things that I've heard from like toddler moms. I don't know, Tiffany, you have, you have a one and a half, how, how yeah. far apart are they? 13 months. So you yeah, probably are better to answer this question <laughs> anyways, because three and a half is like very, very it's a, it's a great age to bring a baby home because he just knows what's going on. And he's, he also goes to preschool a few times a week. So it's like just me and the baby a few times a week, but yeah, you probably are better are a better one to answer some of these questions. (laughs) Yeah. Mostly what I tell people is I do think there's a big difference, um, between having a new baby and like a one-year-old compared to a two-year-old compared to a three-year-old compared to a seven-year-old. Um, not saying that one is necessarily like easier than the other because there's challenges that come with every single age, in my opinion, whether it be like emotional issues or like physical issues, because you have to take one kid to soccer practice and, you know, so yeah, I have, my boys are 12 months and 10 days apart. So, um, when I brought home Callan, my oldest one had just t- turned one. He wasn't walking yet. He started walking mm-hmm. within two weeks of me bringing him home. So that was kind of interesting. Um, <laughs> but the biggest things that I did were to have support around. My husband mm-hmm. and I actually moved from downtown Raleigh, which, you know, informa- interesting fact. I actually used to live across the street from Liesl and her husband, <laughs> yep. um, like, like literally across the street from each other. And <laughs> we decided to move up to North Raleigh area. So my mom lives five minutes away from me. Um, my brother and sister-in-law live five minutes away from me. So that was a big thing. I had family close by. Um, and if you don't live with family in the area, then having friends close by, if you can, I mean, having one solid family that you can like call if you need to. So then also I had um, him in the end of April, which was like kind of in the, in the initial stages of COVID. And we originally were planning to send my oldest son to school three days a week. And then I would have three days a week where, you know, it was just me and the baby. Um, But we had decided to take him out of school at that point because of COVID. So he was home Mm -hmm. with me all the time. So what I did in replace of that is I forced my husband to take more time off of work. So that was another thing that we do. Yeah, I'm sure that helped. Which I know that not everybody obviously has that luxury um, and ability to do that. But he took three weeks off of work. He used all of his vacation days um, for this year. And we just decided as a family that we wouldn't be going anywhere, which wasn't difficult because of COVID and there's really nowhere to go. Um, He took three weeks off of work. And then I had um, people brought us food. Like I had several friends that brought us food. So we pretty much didn't do much cooking for the first couple of weeks. I also prepped a lot beforehand as far as food goes. Like I like to cook. So I made a lot of freezer meals. um, And if I made something, I would just double the recipe and then I would freeze it. So I had like I mean, literally a whole freezer full of like stuff for us. Um, Mm -hmm. So that helped. And yeah, just outside of the juggling thing, the first month or two was definitely the hardest. The the hardest time for me was when Callan needed to eat because Mm -hmm. we didn't breastfeed. So I was pumping for the first three or four weeks and then gave that up because honestly, it was just way too much to handle. Um, But he needed, you know, he had to have a bottle. So like, 
you have to sit down with a baby and feed him a bottle and that's hard um, when you have a little kid running around who needs something else. So like I tried as best as I could to get their meal times to like not overlap so that Mm -hmm. I could like sit down with the baby and feed him. And then I would give my oldest one his meal because it was really hard to do both at the same time while I was alone. And then I think the other biggest thing that I did was I, as quickly as I possibly could, I got their nap schedules in alignment (laughs) and that took probably two months, two or three months for me to do. But, um, and it took a lot of practice of me like figuring it out and figuring their schedules out. But we currently now have it where like my little guy sleeps, he takes a nap during the morning, but I wake him Mm -hmm. up at 11, no matter what I wake him up at Mm -hmm. 11 so that he has about two hours of wake time. And so that he goes and he sleeps at the same time as my oldest one, when he takes his one nap a day. Um, But that like, yeah, that guarantee, (laughs) you know, like an hour and a half to two hours a day of Like, this is my time. I can go work out if I need to. Like, Mm -hmm. I can go take a nap if I need to. Like, I can go Mm -hmm. do something else if I need to. And I was actually just talking to a friend of mine who had a baby, her second one, like a week and a half after me. And she said the same thing about the nap thing. She was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, at like four months old, I, I finally got it so that both of my kids nap at the same time in the afternoon. And that's been like world changing for her. So it takes some well, time. my kid doesn't really nap anymore, so, you know. Well, and there you go. That's one of <laughs> but, the you know. for sure. Like, Walter doesn't take yeah. a nap anymore, but mine does. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't wait till my little guy, like, I'm excited when he just takes one nap a day so that mm-hmm. we can, mm-hmm. like, both of them be on the same exact nap schedule, and then we'll mm-hmm. have all of our mornings where, like, we don't have to worry about, like, oh... Yeah, we'll count us take a nap. Yeah. And like, oh, let's get it back so that he can sleep in his crib. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to that aligning. And that's one of the things I would say has been so great about having my kids together is that like yeah. while yes, they're a year apart, they are gonna overlap in a lot of ways as far yeah. as like things that they're doing. And like we'll probably be on a nap schedule, the same nap schedule for like two years, hopefully. Um Yeah. That so, is yeah. true. You get you get a lot of time of nap. Yeah, that's true. Which is great. Like that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Walter certainly, I mean, some days if he's really tired, he'll still take a nap, but yeah, that is a huge difference. Like if they both napped at the same time, that would, that would help a lot. Like my, my days when I have both of them would, would look a lot different if I had, if I could, you know, if I could count on two hours a day of, you know, children napping, then yeah, that would, that would look a lot different, but I did have a couple other tips for this question. So the first one is it's, you know, we've, we've talked about it is just like set your expectations very, very low (laughs) in this, in this time period with like having a new baby and having another sibling or having multiple siblings, like set them, set the bar as low as possible. And then you get a lot of wins, right? You get like tiny wins because your, your bar is very, very low. Um, and then my other tip is get a good baby carrier. So I like my, I like my Solly wrap. I have a couple different wraps that I wrap my baby to me. So at least I have two hands and my baby can be wrapped to me. So that certainly has made a huge difference too. just having a baby carrier. (laughs) All right, guys. So that is it for this episode of um, 
the Mommy Labor Nurse podcast, the postpartum edition of Mommy Labor Nurse. Um, so like Tiffany was saying halfway through this episode, we talked about it briefly. I think we're certainly going to do a breastfeeding episode, probably at six months, checking in six months, um, how my breastfeeding experience is going. Because I mean, who knows? I might not. I mean, I plan to breastfeed this little guy for a year, but you never know. I mean, things come up, things could be drastically different in six months. We'll just say that. So I would love to do another episode with both of you guys um, and talk about breastfeeding more in detail. And maybe there's some other kind of topic that we can talk about as well. Um, But I think it'll be fun to end. We started this, this episode off with saying, what do we, what do we talk about? What we wanted to be when we grew up. So we should end this episode on another kind of fun question that we can all answer. So what was the other one that, what was the other one that we, that we found? Oh, okay. What was your first job when you were, I guess, I guess you can get a job when you're 14, right? I'll go first. Mine was, mine was technically babysitting at church, but I want to say, my real first job was working at Limited Two. Remember that store? Oh, I didn't know that. That's funny. No, I didn't think you knew that. Yeah, that was my first. <laughs> like you um, worked there at the mall? Yeah, I worked at the mall. That's funny. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that was my first job when I was like six. You know, the first when you could first get like a like a real. You know, when you're 16, you that's what you do. You like get a little part time job. Yeah, I worked at Limited too. Um, I folded clothes and I worked the little register, and I probably worked there for like six months when I was like 16. It was <laughs> it was fun. I don't know. I got a little discount. I got I had some Limited Two. I was like, were you still wearing a, clothes from Limited Two when you were the, the big sizes, <laughs> the jeans and the big sizes? Yeah, yeah. I remember using my discount. Isn't that funny? Yeah, that is funny. That's funny that you say that because my first job was working at Delia's clothing store. That's right. <laughs> so ours was very similar. Yeah, that's I got a forty percent discount as well. So that's a good discount. Wow. I don't think yeah, and they that. they had some cute clothes. Like I would still think their clothes are pretty cute. I don't know if they're still around, but I don't think they. They are. had some good stuff. I think that store is long gone. I think that probably was like two thousand. I think that was a two thousand nine store. Yeah, probably. Okay, Tiffany, what was your what was your <laughs> My first, first job? job was not retail like you guys. I uh, <laughs> I actually worked at the community center up the road uh, with the oh, city okay. of Valley. And so yeah, I started working there when I was 14 and my older brother worked there, so we worked together and I mostly like sat at the front desk and answered phones and like helped people register for classes and then I started to like work in their summer camp programs and after school programs and yeah, that's actually the only job that I had. I, I had that job for 10 years, I think, in oh, some wow. form or element. I worked with the city of Raleigh for 10 years, and then I became a nurse. So nice. I haven't, I ha- don't have a long job history. My resume is very boring when it comes to that. <laughs> and Liesl <laughs> and I both worked at the same restaurant, too. You worked there yeah. for, what, like eight years or something? And I worked there for, like, yeah. six years. So we had very yeah. similar job history. Yeah, and yeah, if you say, did not can... work at that restaurant, then we wouldn't even know each other because that no. is the connecting piece of how I even met you because my sister worked at that restaurant. Yeah. God bless Sawmill. Yeah, thanks <laughs> for Sawmill. Best burgers ever. It's the puzzle piece. Yeah, that is so funny. You're so right. That was my, I guess, did I have a job in between limited two and 
I th- oh, I mean, I babysat. I was a nanny for a couple years for um, for a family, you know, nearby in Raleigh. And I did that for a little while. And then, yeah, the summer, I was 19, I think, when I got a job at Sawmill. And yeah, I worked there through nursing school and then got, yeah, I want to say that was my next. And yeah, you're right. Because your Tiffany's sister worked with me and that's kind of how we met and I met her family. And then, yeah, Jenna got a job there. I don't know. We never, we actually never worked there at the same time, Jenna. Did we? No, we didn't. I got a job maybe two years after you did when yeah. I was eight, 17, I think. 17, yeah. 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 Cause so, Jenna and I are actually, we have seven years in between. So I guess I didn't work there for that one. I think it was like six years I worked at Sawmill. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, we have, that's another fun fact. We have seven years, we're seven years apart. Yep. Um, so yeah. All right. Well, that's a good way to. And the episode. All right. We'll see you on the next one, guys. All right. So that is it for this episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. You probably follow me on Instagram because that's probably where you came from. But if you don't, head over to Instagram and follow me at mommy.labornurse for more. That is certainly where I am most active. I also now have a separate Instagram for just this podcast, so I encourage you to follow my second account at mommylabornurse.podcast as well if you want podcast updates. Again, that is at mommylabornurse.podcast. As always, you guys know that I also have a website where I have tons of articles all about pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, newborn stuff, and more at www.mommylabornurse.com. I want to hear more from you on how much you love this episode of the podcast or how you think I can improve. So leave me a comment on one of my pictures, send me a DM or send me an email with all the love. All right, guys, I will see you same time, same place next week. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.